Welcome to the Augusta Golf Show podcast. Now, here's John Patrick. David Faraday has played the game at the highest levels. He's covered the game for CBS, NBC, Golf Channel. He now covers Live Golf. He'll be in town performing the Wednesday of Masters week next year. It is a pleasure to welcome David Faraday to the Augusta Golf Show for the very first time. Hello, David. How are you? I'm great. Thank you, John. Um, I know you don't do this sort of thing very often, so thank you so very much for doing this. Um, oh, it's a pleasure. How do you describe the show? Is it a, is it a one-man show? Is it a stand-up? How, when somebody asks you, what do you do on stage? How do you describe it? Well, it's, uh, it is a one-man show, and um, it's, uh, it's a mixture of, of stand-up and, and storytelling. Um, you know, I, and I tell stories in, in black and white, you know, back from the days that were, uh, you know, when the stories that, that people like Pat Summerall and Ken Venturi, you know, have told me over the years. And, and you know, if I don't keep telling these stories, they're going to die. They're going to disappear into the ether, and they're, and they're really worth telling. And it's also, you know, it's a journey through my life, um, you know, from uh, from primary school to, you know, uh, playing for a living for 20 years and then, you know, being in the broadcast industry for 30. Um, there's a lot of funny things, you know, have happened. And, uh, you know, those are the things that I shared during the show. Did you come up with the idea of going on the road, or did, did you have to be talked into this? I, I had to be talked into it. Um, you, you know, I would do these corporate things, you know, for, for companies, and, and, you know, I would tell stories for 45 minutes or an hour. And um, I was doing one in Canada, in London, Ontario, and there happened to be a comedy promoter uh, in, in the audience, and, and he... Uh, he approached me afterwards and said, have you ever thought about doing this on stage? And I said, well, I thought that's what I just did. <laughs> and he said, no, uh, I mean, in, in a theater. Um, yeah. And he, he, Brad Jones from Jones Entertainment, you know, has uh, promoted Larry the Cable Guy and uh, Jeff Dunham, uh, various other comedians and uh, country uh, music acts. Uh, so he was, you know, well used to, to doing this. And he, he suggested that I do it. And I started it in Canada. Um one in Edmonton and one in Calgary, and uh, 1,600 people showed up. Uh, and for the first show, I went for three and a quarter hours. I had no concept of time um, at all, and uh, I used pretty much all of my material. Uh, but uh, then we started doing them in the United States, and you know, I've done you know around 200 shows and in theaters uh, around the country, and people keep showing up, so I'm going to keep doing them. What did you think, David, that you would get out of doing this, and what do you get out of doing this? It's uh, It may be the, the most satisfying thing that, that I do. Hmm. There, there's an adrenaline rush. I mean, I, I'm terrified, John, every time I, I step out onto the stage. Uh, you, you know, it's, it's me, a spotlight and a microphone, and you know, I, I've got to be entertaining for two hours, and I'm, you know, there's always part of me that thinks, you know, this this could be the night I'll choke. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, what, what I get out of it is, is a lot of love from from the audience. You know, I, I've been really, really lucky in my career. Uh, I can't tell you how, how lucky I've been, um, both my playing career and my broadcasting career to 
to have met the people that I've met, and, you know, to have been with, you know, the, uh, these people and spent time with them and, you know, have the stories that uh, that have come out of those meetings. Um, and, you know, that, that's really what I get out of it. You know, there's an adrenaline rush uh, that, that comes with, you know, performing. Um, and, and people, you, you see it in, you know, perform. my wife just went to see Rod Stewart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, you know, I mean, he's addicted to applause um, or, or whatever it is. I mean, there's no other reason, you know, to do it. You know, if you've been doing it for that long, and um, I love the uh, I love the feeling of of making people happy, and uh, you know, giving them a laugh. You know, David, I saw you do the show probably oh boy nine years ago at the PGA Merchandise Show. And, All right. And afterwards, you sat in a chair and answered questions from the audience. Do you still do that? Yes. Yeah. The last fifteen minutes of the show, fifteen or twenty minutes, is, is Q and A. And that's one of my favorite parts of it, you know, because the audience always reminds me of, of things that I've, I've left out. And, uh, you know, there's that personal interaction because I want them to know that I love them. Um, and, uh, you know, that's that's the opportunity to, uh, to, you know, make that known. You know, you mentioned this earlier in our conversation. One of the big takeaways I had from seeing you do this is you don't have to be a huge fan of golf to enjoy the show. You, you make it a well-rounded show. I, I assume that's purposeful on your part. Yeah, it is. You know, you don't have to be a golfer to, you know, understand Irish humor. Um, you know, we're, we're the last ethnic group on the planet. I think, you know, where you, you can't offend us. Um, it's, uh, there's nothing offensive about Irish jokes or Irish stereotypes. Irish people just don't take themselves that seriously. Um, you know, so, uh, yeah, th- there's a lot of humor in there that, uh, you know, just the average non-golfer can relate to. Again, you, you, you mentioned your life. Do you, do you sit back and assess, David, where you are in your life and that golf has taken you to some incredible spots and places through your life? Yeah, it, it has. And, um, you know, and there have been peaks and valleys uh, sure. in my life as well. You know, at times where I, I've been uh, very ill, um, you know, and, and I do go into the mental illness, uh, you know, and addiction side of things as well. You know, there, there's humor to be found in everything. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm 65 now. And uh, before the Live Golf League came up, I, I thought that, uh, you know, I was retiring. And, uh, you know, it just the opportunities keep presenting themselves to me as my life goes on. And uh, who knows where it's going to finish. I'm just going to keep riding this pony. (laughs) How hard was it for you to make the decision in these shows to talk about mental health? It it was never difficult, John, Um, because it's therapeutic to me. The thought, um, and, and I get people coming up to me after the show and saying, listen, thank you, uh, uh, you know, that, uh, that they've had similar problems, you know, and it, it's nice to hear from someone in the, in the public eye who will admit to these things, you know, or someone that has lost a child. Um, you know, I lost my son six years ago mm-hmm. to a cocaine overdose. And, uh, you know, um, 
people just share their stories and um, it, it makes me feel better. Uh, the thought that, that I can make them feel better. We have a mutual friend in, in John Feinstein. He's the one who put us together. Um, just did a biography on you. Were you pleased with how all of that came out? Can you be pleased with how all of that comes out? <laughs> I didn't read it. Um, <laughs> I, I have a policy. Um, you know, I, I, I have virtually no Twitter presence. I mean, I, I don't know. I've got like six or 700,000 followers, but I, I don't. I tweet very, very seldom and I don't read them. Um, I, I don't read, uh, you know, magazine articles or, or articles about myself. I, I mean, I did see the galleys of the book, you know, and my wife kind of fact-checked them for me. Um, and and she, the only person I was worried about was, was her, uh, whether or not she liked the book. You know, that's the, that's the important thing to me, and, and she did. How do you spend your days, David, when you're not working? Do you do you these days when we look at streaming television and binging things, do you watch television much? Yeah, I do. I watch a lot of TV, a lot of Netflix, uh, you know, Amazon Prime, you know, Hulu, that kind of thing. And um, a lot of people don't know about me. Um, Well, I I have a foundation for wounded, uh, wounded veterans, Mm -hmm. uh, Troops First Foundation. And uh, I'm kind of an amateur gunsmith. I make rifles, uh, bolt-action rifles for, uh, you know, wounded veterans. Um, I was getting, in the early days of, of the foundation, I would get snipers uh, that would come in, and they, they were uh, sometimes some of the worst affected, you know, of, of the non-injured. You know, I, I would say, you know, it takes a tremendous toll on, on someone when you have to take someone else's life. And... Um, you know, just to get them back into target shooting and, and you know, uh, back into something badass. Because these guys are, are uh, you know, a lot of them, they're great soldiers, sailors, airmen and marines, but they're really not very good uh, good civilians. They've been in, you know, the armed forces for so long and that structured uh, uh, setting that, you know, when they come out, they have difficulty uh, in uh, adapting into civilian life. So at the foundation, we try and help them do that. And, uh, you know, just part of it is, you know, my hobby, which is, uh, you know, making rifles. You're a good man, David Faraday. Well, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) He is is David Faraday. He will be here in town the Wednesday of Masters Week performing. Uh, David, thank you so very much for being gracious with your time. I deeply appreciate it. It's a pleasure, John, and I can't wait to get back to Augusta. I love the tournament. I love the town, uh, and I'm really looking forward to seeing the theater.